sit right down Waiting for the gift of sound and vision Well, well, welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Adam Danger. Who else would it be? And today, I want to discuss, I've got a lot of opinions, I've got a lot of musings, I've got a lot of questions about the Phenom show, WandaVision. And I've got a lot to talk about the subject, and a lot to ask about the subject. But before I do, I brought on today's special guest. We know him as Master Blaster Bill. Bill, say hi. Hi, this is uh, Master Blaster Bill, also known as William. Uh, glad to be here. I'm glad to have you on here, my friend. Uh, let me ask you this. What brings you to the MCU? What, where does your fandom begin? So I think my fandom with the MCU and, and Marvel as a whole uh, begins uh, mid to late 90s with the, you know, the Fox Kids animated series for um, X-Men, oh, yeah. Spider-Man. Um, a little bit of Fantastic Four, and then of course Iron Man. Um, being being a you know, young kid in the '90s, those were the things to be watching. And I think you know, eventually having grown up on, you know, the original Spider-Man for sure, uh, Tobey Maguire's Sam Raimi Spider-Man's from the early 2000s definitely helped fuel that. Um, of course, you also have the early X-Men movies, which you know eventually, I guess, their success brought on Fantastic Four, and then we got the. Um, you know, the one that started it all, Iron Man, in 2008, and, you know, I was just hooked from there. Well, that's awesome. I'm really glad you said that, William. I'm glad you said that, you know, you started off in the mid-90s. I was watching the same shows as well. I was watching those animated Spider-Man, and then before that, I was watching Batman the Animated Series, right? So when it comes to superheroes in the animated form, you and I are very similar in that that was kind of our our taste. That was our entrance into this world, right? And I don't know about you. Um, you know, I was reading some of the comics back then. I wasn't a huge collector. Uh, I've mentioned it before that my father, Russell Hazard, you know, was the one that was buying comics in the 90s. So I'd read them. But for me, what I could really claim as my own and what really taught me about superheroes and uh, comics in general were these shows that you just mentioned, the, the Saturday morning Fox shows with Spider-Man, <laughs> X-Men. Uh, I Here's one thing that I always, I always grappled with, William, is that... Uh, we didn't have CW at the time. And before that, it was called UPN. And oh, so I missed right. out on this Hulk show. Do you remember this Hulk show that they would have on? You know, I never actually got to watch it. Um, I have seen it coming up on Disney Plus, though. Um, every time I open up the Marvel Hub, um, there it is. And I, I want to get around to watching, but I feel like there's so many other things I need to catch up on. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I get you. But I think knowing as a kid, right, that there's a show that you can't watch. Just because the station's not in your local <laughs> station, it's like, well, I must be missing something incredible because everyone else gets to see the Hulk. And like, you had to watch a little bit of the Fantastic Four cartoon, and I liked it. But my memories as a kid is they would play that like at six a.m. on Saturdays, and I don't know any kid who willingly <laughs> wakes up like at six a.m. to watch like the I think it was like the Marvel Hour, and the second half hour was Iron Man. So you would see some of the stuff if you woke up really early randomly on a Saturday. Uh, but I'm really glad you mentioned you know, these, these animated shows, because I think, again, it's the building blocks by which we understand the MCU today, the way it's been since 2008, and it kind of informed us as viewers. Uh, but again, I, I wanted to bring you on today, because when it comes to discussing all things MCU, film, TV, uh, Master Blaster Bill, you are the person I come to. You are the person who sage uh, wisdom I seek. And that's what we're going to do today is, is uh, I'm watching the show and I'm struggling with a few things. And I've come to you 
Master Blaster Bill to to enlighten me, disabuse me of certain notions I may have. And let's start with this. Let's start with this really easy question, softball question here. What is this show about? So at its surface, uh, WandaVision seems to be, um, you know, Wanda and Vision finding their their happy ending after all the turmoil in the MCU, or uh, so it seems. And, you know, the show opens with this 50s-style I Love Lucy, um, the Honeymooners-type intro, and they're having this really ideal suburban life. Um, obviously, it's in black and white, and it has all the slapstick-esque humor of that that era, the 50s. Um, and then as the show goes on, um, you'll see them kind of cross different generations of, of TV. So they go into the 60s and 70s and and most recently 80s. And there are little inklings throughout each episode that kind of let you know not everything is as ideal or, or happy as it seems. There's definitely something a little more sinister at play here. And uh, as the show goes on, I, I think we're seeing more and more of this um, becoming apparent as it plays out. I like that. I like it. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, having watched TV and movies, are there any um, anything that you can say is related to this or that it reminds you of or that, you know, if someone's getting into the show and maybe has seen Avengers once, uh, how do you how do you say, hey, it's like this show? It reminds me of this show. What would you say? So if there were anything I could compare it to um, and not strict to Marvel, um, especially as the shows develop more, I would say. The Truman Show, uh, the Jim Carrey oh, yeah. movie, would be one thing you could you could compare it to, um, in the sense that it's a show within a show, without giving too much away. Right. Um, and these are characters who, you know, within the world of the MCU, aren't on a TV show, or they or they shouldn't be. So clearly, there there's something a little bit a little bit strange going on with the fact that they're they're being presented in this medium. Right. No, I like that. I like that comparison. You know, for me, I, I think of a few shows. There's about three shows and one book, or it's actually a play that I feel is is maybe at the heart of this show. The first two shows I think of are actually comic book shows. One of them is Legion that was on FX for the past couple of years. Did you get to watch Legion? We talked I, about I did. FX. I did. Um, I got, I'm about halfway through season two. I haven't gotten around to finishing it, just catching up on so many other things, but I, I can definitely see that comparison as far as, you know, not everything being what it seems. Right. And, and I think, and I don't want to spoil anything for you, but one, the big, the big arc of the first of the three seasons of Legion, it's only three seasons is you get a character that has this amazing ability, this amazing power, right? His name's David and he can, in a way also kind of, uh, reconstruct reality as well. And what what happens is throughout the story is he makes decisions that are a little selfish. You know, we realize that he had been psychically abused by the Shadow King, right? He'd kind of always mm -hmm. been abused. But now his actions are actually affecting those around him and those that love him. And in a way, he becomes the bad guy. And he doesn't realize it. He doesn't see it. He always thinks he always has justifications for his actions. And his actions become increasingly hurtful and is increasingly evil, right? But he always has a justification. Oh, it's not really my fault. I was forced to do this. It's a misunderstanding. And I think that's the great part of the show that I really enjoyed is that he does, you see this person go from kind of a victim to actually becoming evil. And all the little decisions along the way that made him so. And I feel like that, you know, it could be for Wanda. Here's a person that has been a victim who has been experimented upon, who had been tortured all before Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> 
And now she finds someone, uh, a synthesoid named Vision. And even in Infinity War, they're on the run. They just wanted time together. They just wanted a little piece mm-hmm. of domestic bliss, right? But it was it was torn asunder by the actions of Thanos and and the events of Infinity War and Endgame. And so we kind of feel for her, right? Like we even if you've only seen those movies, we empathize with Wanda trying to maybe make this idyllic life, or she's in this idyllic life, and maybe she's a part of it, or maybe she's controlling it. We don't know, but we kind of want that for her. We want them to be happy. But now, in the course of the show, we're understanding that some of the decisions that she's making um, are selfish, right? We can say that they're selfish, that they are harming other people. Uh, Another show that this also reminds me of a little bit uh, is Doom Patrol. Did you ever watch Doom Patrol on the DC Universe or HBO Max? I actually did um, recently start Doom Patrol on HBO Max. I've watched the first couple of episodes, and it's uh, it's surprisingly good. It's um, not what I was expecting at all. Um, I can't really, you know, it's so it's so different, you know, as far as the the subject subject matter, and you know, the fact that they did go, you know, for lack of a better term, all the way as far as the the language that they use, yeah. the writing, some of the action, for lack of a better term. But, um, yeah, it's a really good show from what I've seen so far. Right. And I think one of the things, again, I don't want to spoil this for you, but I think you'll still enjoy it, is one of the main characters in Doom Patrol can break the fourth wall at will, rewrite reality, and live in the margins of what is real and what is unreal. Right. And so that's one of the nice kind of metaphysical things, man, <laughs> mind expandingness. Uh, but it's, it, it, I think it does it pretty well. So that's why I kind of get, again, if we're talking about Wanda... And can she uh, morph reality? Is it changing reality? What are the effects of this? Again, I think Doom Patrol has that. The last show that this really reminds me of, and I don't know if you've heard of it or have seen it. Have you heard of a show called Life on Mars? I've heard of it. It sounds really familiar. Is that a Hulu original? No, you know, it's been on Hulu. Initially, the original show was from BBC, and it came out in 2006, 2007, and the premise was this. The premise was it's 2006, and there's a a detective named Sam Tyler, and he's investigating. He's like SIU. He's investigating homicides and kidnappings and things of that nature, and all of a sudden, he gets hit by a truck. He gets hit by a truck, and he wakes up, and it's 1973. It's 1973, and his name is Sam Tyler, and he's a detective. But that's all he knows. And so he spends every episode trying to figure out, why am I in 1973? Did I go back in time? Am I abducted by aliens? Am I in another dimension? What's mm. going on? So the whole you know arc of the, the series is that this guy, Sam Tyler, is in this, uh, again, world of the 1970s. He's a Manchester police. But every once in a while, he'll catch a glimpse of something that shouldn't be there, something anachronistic, right? Somebody wearing a Nirvana t-shirt or... And listening to a CD, and he's like, well, no, this is supposed to be 1973. And then every once in a while, he'll hear people call his name like, Sam, Sam, wake up. Sam, we're here. And he's like, I'm here, I'm here. Like, somebody get me, I'm here, I can hear you. And that's kind of the, the big mystery, that's the big gimmick of the show, is what is this person doing in a reality that they know is wrong, but they're not sure how they got there. They're not sure how they're going to get back. But, um, you know, but it used a lot of tropes of like, uh, cop shows from the 70s where people were kind of like mean and you know uh, <laughs> dirty hairy or like we're not playing against the rules son like but, that, but that's what the show reminds me of anytime that there's like a communication right from the outside world to wanda or to vision 
I think of, oh, okay, that's like the Sam Tyler moment of where like he'll hear his girlfriend like, Sam, we're, we're praying for you. We love you. Please wake up. And he's like, I'm here. Ah. So <laughs> there's that. And finally, this is now, William, this is going to be a little pretentious, right? So I'll, and listener, I apologize for my pretentiousness, but this is a, a theory I had after watching the first two episodes. Have you ever heard of the play or seen the play or read the play uh, A Doll's House by Heinrich Ibsen? Yeah, I, I think I had. Is that the play, the the husband Torvald? Um, yes, sir. Okay, yeah. So I have read that, yeah. and, <laughs> and I've yeah, seen the movie Anthony exactly, Hopkins. Right. <laughs> I to me, I feel like uh, the initially when the show started, it reminded me a lot of a doll's house. The themes of here's this woman who has everything that she could want, right? From the audience point of view, she's happily married. She has children. Her husband has a decent job. Uh, she has the ideal lifestyle, but she has no agency over everything, right? She can't make mm-hmm. any real decisions. She she has nothing that she's in control of. And through the way the you know the, the play plays out, she makes one decision that's for her husband's sake that causes her to reap the the wrath and the consequences of that decision, right? And it's not really mm-hmm. her fault, right? Like as an audience member, we uh, I believe her name is Nora. We feel for Nora yeah. because, again, on the outside, she should have everything perfect and pristine, like a doll's house. But really, she lacks agency. She doesn't have any kind of decision making, and she ultimately uh, forsakes all that. Again, spoilers, but this is a hundred-year-old play, a hundred thirty-year-old play. So get over it. Uh, but but spoilers is is she would rather give all that comfort away to live in a harsh real world where she can make decisions and be loved for the person that she is and her mind and her agency rather than just be, you know, something that a man has collected. And, and I know it's a little pretentious, but at the beginning, I kind of thought of that. Here's this woman that finally has everything she wants. She has her husband with her, um, a happy lifestyle that she's seen on American TV. And, mm-hmm. you know, is she trapped by it? And now I think we're realizing she's not really, tra- she likes being in there and maybe vision is the one who's trapped by that. But what do you think of that, William? What do you think of my my pretentiousness? No, I, I think that's a pretty apt comparison. One I, I, I don't think I ever would have thought of. Um, I feel like having read A Doll's House, that one was so far back in the <laughs> reaches of my mind. Um, I guess my, you know, the main thing I remember about it is Anthony Hopkins' role, um, You know, the main character wanting to fire the banker. Right. And um, I guess you know this is more about Marvel, not A Doll's House. It's just a, honestly a great comparison, I think. Well, there you have it, listener. Go ahead. If you have time, read up on your Ibsen. I think this is a, a good, this is my academic uh, my <laughs> academic outreach for the week. But let me ask you this, William. Let me, let me ask you this. Do you like this show? Uh, honestly, I love it so far. You know, when I first heard about it, you know, when prior to Disney Plus launching, they were announcing all these shows coming. Um, I'll admit WandaVision wasn't at the top of my list. Um, it, you know, the characters themselves, they're interesting, but not who I initially would have thought, well, you know, they're getting a series. So when I heard that news, I, I was like, okay, well, I'll definitely watch it. But it's it's uh, not something that excites me as much as, say, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier or Loki. But, you know, from episode one, I, I was hooked. You know, it's just it feels so different compared to um, a lot of other things that are out right now. And, uh, you know, every week I find myself looking forward to uh, Friday night to watch the new episode. Um, I just I don't know what to expect going to every episode. Right. No, I like that. I, I do like that. I, I, too, I enjoy the show, but I do. I have a couple of gripes and I have a couple of hot takes. 
Um, overall, I like the show. The most recent episode that we saw again, spoilers, fans, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the show, uh, stop the podcast here, watch it, and then we're going to you know, continue with our analysis here, <laughs> our very detailed analysis. Uh, but the last you know, 30 seconds of the last episode redeemed the show for me. I, uh, but I do have some gripes. Here are my two main gripes that I have. One is that uh, one there, I don't know what the stakes are. And I was arguing with a, a friend of the podcast, Tatooine Tanner, and I'm asking, like, where's the urgency? Where's the immediacy, right? Usually in a action or sci-fi, there's some sort of scientist that says, if we don't evacuate in 72 hours, everybody <laughs> will die. And the reason they do it, it's a trope, right? It's a cliche. It happens on TV all the time. But the reason people do that is to give the the protagonist an urgency. I have to get this done. We have to evacuate the city. We have to make sure that the asteroid doesn't crash into you know, the hospital. We have to make sure that... Uh, and here's my, here's my example. Batman in Dark Knight Rises realizes that this fusion thing has been turned into a bomb that will explode in six months so he has six months to repair his back learn to jump with fear or without fear to escape the pit uh somehow travel back to the united states sneak into gotham get his bat plane uh and try to again fly this bomb this nuclear <laughs> bomb out of uh gotham but again you can understand that now that you keep seeing like the the ticking time bomb you know, oh, he only has 30 minutes left. How is he going to get out of this mess with Bane to get the bomb before it explodes, right? But there's an urgency. <laughs> like, that's where the crescendo of the action comes. With this, there's not really anything, right? We don't know how long they've that's been. True. We don't know how long they've been under Wanda's spell. I'm thinking maybe a week, right? I'm trying to think of the timeline. Is like Jimmy Woo is looking for his missing person, realizes that all of Westview is, is hidden from the world and people have no idea about it. They call mm. in. Uh, they call in, is it Maria Rambo, right? They call Maria. Yes. She gets briefed on it from Sword. She comes out. She gets stuck in the show. And then Sword comes in and they bring in uh, uh, Darcy, Dr. Darcy, who watches the first episode. Like All that has to happen before the first episode that we watched, right? Like, yeah. Kind of, that could be a week to two weeks, maybe. But we don't know what are the long-term ramifications of being in this hex, right? Like, is mm -hmm. it... You know, are they going to die immediately? Uh, are they going to die naturally? Is this radiation going to poison them? Like, where is the where is the impetus to like we have to solve this now, right? Yes, that that is true, and I never really thought about that. Um, I guess they it really seems like one of those things where they stumble upon it. It feels like they're just trying to figure out well, we we should probably do something about this. There's so you know, I definitely say that there isn't a huge sense of urgency as far as getting it resolved quickly. And at um, what point do you call, like, Doctor Strange in? See, what I'm thinking is that, you know, him or, or somebody, they're going to come into the fold in these, possibly the next episode or after that, having um, having seen Wanda come out of the hex and threaten them. And, you know, she, she uh, spoiler alert, turns the guns all onto the, I, I believe that's the new director of S.W.O.R.D. Right, um, right. So I think at this point, they're like, all right, I, th I think we're going to need, you know, some help from somebody a little bit stronger. And I'm, I'm hoping it's Doctor Strange, because, you know, given the news that um, one is going to have a big role in the sequel to Doctor Strange, the uh, Multiverse of Madness. I'm, I'm hoping this is a, a good segue into that. And, um, you know, having 
Quicksilver from the Foxverse show up um, definitely seems like a good indicator that that might be the case. If that's not a red herring, that is. What What did you think when you saw that? Tell me, you know, walk us through what you, when you're sitting down on the couch, you're with the missus, you're watching this, what goes through your mind? So, you know, there was the knock at the door and I immediately assumed, okay, it's Agnes. She's um, obviously up to something. And that's been my my thought in the back of my head, too, from the beginning of the show that, you know, Agnes is the villain. So there's the knock on the door. And then as soon as she opens the door and you see how shocked she is, I'm like, okay, it's not Agnes. It has to be somebody major. Um, pan to the back of uh, Quicksilver, Evan Peters' head. And I'm like, no way. Is this is this who I think it is? And then they cut to the face and, you know, he's like, you know, no hug for your for for your long lost brother. And I was just I was blown away. I mean, I had to rewind it because I was just involuntarily <laughs> making surprise noises like, oh, yes. oh, oh, oh. But, <sighs> I mean, that just blew the lid off of my expectations as well. And I mean, <laughs> it's definitely become, you know, a required viewing. I had to rewatch that episode twice just because, you know, I had to look for any kind of Easter eggs. Um, right. The episode itself, too, some of the best acting I've seen from Paul Bettany in the MCU so far, where he right. really, you know, takes off that reserved um, lid he's had for Vision so far, and he's yelling at Wanda, and they're they're really going at it, and, and I thought we were about to see our first battle in WandaVision. Um, right, yeah, no, that was pretty, pretty exciting, and, and again, tense. Again, that's where the show finally has this simmering tension, but it's already like, what, four or five episodes in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to that point, and I, I was going to say my second gripe along those lines is, and I'm going to ask you this: Do you think there's too much required viewing of the MCU movies to understand uh, who the characters are? Why Doctor Darcy is there? Why uh, Jimmy Woo is there? Like we understand, like oh, this is a FBI. This person was called in, but we have to remember Thor and Thor Two and Ant Man Two. Oh, these are characters from that movie. Remember that movie? Remember <laughs> Thor 2, the dark world? Remember the bad Thor? Uh, well, here's here's a side character from there. Not even the main character, but a side character from there. And don't get me wrong. like I love having Kat Dennings, and I love having Randall Park, because I think the show definitely needed that kind of uh, uh, comic relief at times, but also they're like a nod to the audience, the meta audience of like, well, didn't Thanos, didn't Captain Marvel stop Thanos? Well, not if uh, Wanda could, right? Like they were asking the kinds absolutely. of questions. Uh, but I do think... I feel that there might be too much required viewing. What do you what do you say to that? I wouldn't say there's too much required view, viewing, um, largely because when they do introduce these side characters uh, from you know previous movies like Darcy Lewis and Jimmy Woo, they do introduce who they are and why they're there. Um, I, I think if you do or if one does watch the you know the movies, everything in the MCU preceding WandaVision, you'll definitely have a better you know, better sense of exactly who the characters are and, um, you know, why their role is important in this show. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's required, but it, it'll definitely enhance your enjoyment of the program if you've, if you're aware of these characters and you've seen them before. And then, of course, um, as you mentioned, there's, there, there are little nods to the audience who's seen everything, like uh, Jimmy Woo doing the, the card trick that Scott right. Ryan was doing and Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then, of course, um, references to the you know, climactic battle of Endgame with Wanda almost taking out Thanos before calling the Blitz, and then Captain Marvel. Um, there's speculation on how she got her powers. Let me ask you this. How did they know what took place in the final battle against Thanos? 
That's what I've, I've been wondering myself. And I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> if there's been like footage going around. Um, there was actually a video I saw the other day that lined up that opening scene from episode four. I want to say of one division when everybody's coming back from the blip mm-hmm. with the Hulks, the smart Hulk doing the snap. And just as, you know, uh, oh. Maria runs into the doctor, that's when the bombs start hitting the Avengers facility. It, it was really cool to see that lined up. But Oh, um, I didn't get that. Oh. So I'm I'm wondering if there's footage out there somehow of the battle itself or maybe um, through through hearsay or something similar, because um, in Spider-Man Far From Home at the beginning, we see how they have the in memoriam of Tony Stark and um, right. Vision and uh, Natasha. So, you know, I, I feel like they would have to somebody would have had to talk about the events to even know that uh, Natasha Black Widow died because she wasn't even in the battle. Right. And. Captain America, I'm assuming, you know, people are saying that he's dead, and even though he's just, he's not dead, he's just old. But, um, Same difference. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my assumption right now, that there's some kind of video or, or official story of what took place going around. All right. No, that's, that's fair. I think, uh, the other thing I like, I feel like this show really gets going once you introduce Maria Rambeau. And once you kind of see where she's coming from, again, I, I was talking to my parents and my dad, who is Russell Hazard, comic book aficionado. I was like, you realize she was a little girl in Captain Marvel, right? And he's like, what? <laughs> I was like, she's Lieutenant Trouble. But again, that's where I kind of have like a, a something that with the show, again, it doesn't ruin the show, but I feel like it could have done just a little more work of introducing this character. Like, remember... This character from Captain Marvel, who was a little girl, has now grown up into this uh, special agent for S.W.O.R.D., right? Like, Definitely. You get that aspect, but if you didn't know that, she's just kind of an anonymous agent who has maybe a, a back history that's alluded to. But again, if you haven't watched Captain Marvel, if you don't remember Captain Marvel, when, when Jimmy Woo asks about Captain Marvel and she's like, I don't want to talk about that, mm-hmm. um, what's the reason? I, one of my theories is I think that, obviously, in, in one of the seminal issues of captain marvel from the 80s is that he dies of cancer right so i'm wondering if in a a twist what if what if uh danvers carol danvers gave uh, monica rambo cancer like they were partners and she has all this like cosmic energy so just being near that cosmic energy it's almost like you know living next to a microwave or something you know you're just gonna get sick and maybe that's why maria might have kind of a gripe like a grudge like you were my mom's best friend she took you in you came back from space we thought you were dead and you eventually killed her i never even thought of that i you know i had a few theories about you know why she the mood suddenly changed no no i but i mean i, I just thought like maybe and that again uh, depth right like it would give depth to the character and and once you go into maybe captain marvel 2 or you do the sequel and if she's photon right if if uh, maria's photon then mm-hmm. you have these Marvel-esque dynamics of people having gripes with each other and feuds and things that uh, uh, it's not just good or bad, right? It's just kind of accidents happen, mm-hmm. much like Lagos, right? Like accidents happen, but you have to kind of pay the piper. I think ultimately, um, again, like Legion, you have this person that we we feel for. We feel bad for uh, we feel bad for Wanda, but at the same time. Ultimately, I think she has to pay the piper. I, I was also thinking of, uh, I was thinking of Jean Grey and the Phoenix, right? The Shi'ar Empire say we're going to have to hold you accountable for destroying this world. She's like, it's not really my fault. I've got this power that's so uh, unwieldy, and I can't control it. It's like, well, that's not 
that doesn't excuse yeah. you from like these crimes, right? Of murdering a whole planet. So I think I could see that for Wanda, where Wanda's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And if there's some sort of like, you know, big bad that's hiding in the shadows, that's kind of like manipulating I have some Wanda. I I I feel like that's maybe a little cheap. I kind of want Wanda to again to be like David in uh, in Legion. Like I didn't realize I was kind of crossing all these personal boundaries, and mm-hmm. I can't really come back from that. I can't really like walk my way back. I am the bad guy. I hope. Definitely. I think that'll be interesting. I think that'll be. But if it is like a typical comic book mm-hmm. sci-fi, like she was under the spell of. The Hellfire Club, all like a, a thing that we've not seen so far in the series. I think that'll be a little cheap, but you know that's just me. Uh, but we're coming, we're coming towards the end here, William. I want to ask, what do you think? What do you think will happen in the series, and what were going to be the permutations thereof? So I think, and this is just one theory. Um, I think that the whole, um, the whole place there in the hex um westview and everything I, I think that has something to do with her neighbor agnes who who i think is actually a character from the comics Ag- agatha harkness who right. um, is the one who if i recall correctly is the one who trains wanda in you know maximizing her power in um in using her um in using her scarlet witch powers <laughs> um i i think she is behind it um somehow or, or plays a bigger role than she's letting on especially i, I want to say it's the second episode where um wanda is going with agnes to meet with like the organizer of their community i, I forgot her name um, Dottie, she was only right of, Dottie, that's right um yeah. so you know there were a lot of maybe i'm reading into it too much but a lot of um a lot of verbal clues as to you know what might really be going on there's one part where Dottie says to the group the devil's in the details mm-hmm. and then agnes is like that's not the only place he is <laughs> and um there's another part right before that when they're walking to the meeting and agnes is talking about her rose bushes and she's like they'll only bloom under penalty of death um oh. so i'm really thinking that um that she plays a bigger role on that same note too um in the comics she does have a son whose name is Nicholas Scratch, and she brings out her rabbit before they go to the magic show, and she calls the rabbit Mr. Scratchy or Mr. Scratch, something similar to that. Right. And maybe it's just a throwaway Easter egg line, or maybe it's something, you know, a little more sinister, but I'm thinking she's playing a bigger role than she's letting on. Um, and then the last thing with her, um, she keeps mentioning her husband, Ralph, who has yet to make an appearance. And so if she's not behind things, I feel like that may be her trying to call for help to somebody. Right. No, I like that. You know, these are a lot of these these kind of Easter eggs. And in a show like this, right, uh, there's it's an unwinding kind of unraveling mystery. And and so you kind of lay these Easter eggs and these clues for the fans. I just don't know if there's been enough kind of to point us where the what clues we should be looking at. There's a, apparently and I don't know if you do this, William. I watch like an hour an hour of YouTube videos breaking down each episode with the Easter eggs and what it could mean. And <laughs> I do a lot of homework for each episode just to kind of try to figure out what's happening. And, and uh, some of this stuff is neat, right? Oh, this was a callback to the high evolutionary. Like there's a, mm-hmm. and the little animated, they had Bova milk, right? And it's like, Bova was the cow person who delivered Wanda and Piotrov. <laughs> and so, or Pietro. Uh Anyways, like, but to me, that that kind of hurts the show a little bit is that you have to do homework 
to maybe figure out what's happening. And and I compare it a little bit to The Mandalorian. And I think The Mandalorian is a fantastic show. The first two seasons, I think, are, are terrific. What I think The Mandalorian did, and I've mentioned it on a, a previous podcast, is it, it weaves in uh, expanded universe. It weaves in mm-hmm. stuff that we've seen in the movies before. And it it brings in new characters, right? Brand new characters like Grief Cargo and Cara Dune and, uh, and The Mandalorian. But it does so in such a nice way in such a, a deft manner that you don't have to have watched Clone Wars or Rebels to know Ahsoka Tano or Bo-Katan, right? They kind of say, hi, I'm Bo-Katan. I want to get the world of Mandalore back. I need to get this armory. Are you going to help me? That, sure. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, because I've never watched the Clone Wars. So when I first saw those episodes of The Mandalorian with Bo-Katan, and I, I knew who Ahsoka Tano was. Um, you know, it was good that they did that introduction because otherwise it would have been... Oh, lost on me, really. Right, and I just, I feel like Mandalorian took the time to, again, explain these things, but not overdo it, but to give someone like myself who'd never seen this, or my parents who kind of, who enjoy the show, enough to go on, okay, but here's the plot, I need to get this kid back to the Jedi, how are you going to help me, right? With this exactly. show, I, again, I don't know, does she want to stay here? Is is this going to, like, tear the Earth apart? Is this going to, like, uh, nuclear, you know, is this going to nuke the Eastern seaboard if it stays here too long? I don't really know. And if the, if the whole draw is, well, you're going to have to watch Dr. Strange into the mouth of madness, into the multiverse of madness. <laughs> it's going to be like, uh, and I think one of the things that, that hurts, maybe it's not the show's fault is that had we not been in a pandemic, I'm sure this would have been buttressed by two Marvel films, right? Like two Marvel mm-hmm. movies. So this wouldn't be the only game in town, but we are in a pandemic this is the only Marvel product on, so everybody's <laughs> watching. Everybody's so it, it may have been like a quirky, neat, weird show, but if you didn't really care for it, you know, maybe there was um, uh, Black Widow, the Black Widow movie mm-hmm. you could have seen. Maybe, you know, we could have had uh, Captain Marvel 2. We could have had something like a big tentpole movie, but this is doing a lot of heavy lifting for Marvel because we've not Definitely. had anything since what, Spider Man? Uh, uh yeah uh, no uh yeah since spider-man and i i think this past fe- or this february this month eternals was supposed to be releasing initially okay. as well yeah. um but yeah i mean nothing for all of 2020 so um yeah this is really the, the the new game in town the only thing that you know marvel fans have to to watch right now and you know having having the pandemic kind of postpone everything it, it looks like a lot of these new things are coming out this year though i mean Two weeks after one division ends, we have Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, we have Loki in May, which surprisingly has an unrecognizable Owen Wilson. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> um, and then of course, um, you know, looking forward to the future, we have Spider-Man three and Doctor Strange sequel, and you know, the Black Panther sequel. So I mean, I think, and you know, we kind of lost out in twenty twenty, but we have so many more things to look forward to in the Marvel universe. I like that. I like that sentiment. Master Blaster Bill, I'm going to end on that sentiment here, but I want to first of all say thank you so much. Thank you for being on the podcast. You were terrific. You were tremendous. How did you feel? (laughs) I loved it. I really appreciate you having me on here. Oh, I'm glad. Well, once this ends, we'll have some more. Uh, Hopefully we can meet back again and kind of have a a recap. What did we think? What could it mean? Uh, And we'll keep watching and keep enjoying. But uh, once again, folks, this was Master Blaster Bill uh, here just sharing his, his innermost thoughts about 
this subject matter. This has been Adam Danger talking. I want to thank you so much. And until next time, ta-ta. Bye-bye. I will sit right down. Waiting for the gift of sound and vision.